Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome into the Utopia Football Podcast for week two of Texans training camp. It's great to be with you. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610. In the mornings, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain, the general. What's going on, John? How you doing? All kind of good things going on. The Astros took it on the chin. The Texans have had their fourth training camp practice, put on pads for the first time, intensity level increases. Good time right now to be a fan in Houston. Okay, so I'm going to get into both of those things, John, before we do a little for real or frugazi later to kind of go around the sports world, as we always do on our Monday episode. If you're just uh, finding the podcast or you've seen it on social media, you decided, you know, tech, the Texans have started camp, so now's the time to be listening to, uh, to, to Sean and to John on the podcast. We appreciate you. Um, the easiest thing to do is click the download button in whatever mechanism you're using to get this podcast, whether it's the Odyssey app or anywhere else, hit that download button to subscribe. Uh, so yeah, sorry, the subscribe button, it'll automatically download to wherever you listen to your um, podcast. That's the easiest thing to do. And we appreciate everybody who's done that. Before we get into some of the topics, John, real quick off the top, we are a little over three weeks away from you and I doing the first ever Utopia live podcast on the road. At the Houstonian, we cannot wait for August the 24th. Yeah, the Houstonian is, uh, we've done this before, not with their podcast, Steve Ronner House, the general manager. His staff put on a great job they do for the fans. You can go on Houstonian.com's website, go to events, or Sean and I tweet it all the time. You can check out there. In fact, I'll tweet it today. So we hope to have a big crowd out there right before regular season. I think it'll be two weeks away, so. We're going to have a great time, as we always do, when we're out among fans. Yeah, absolutely. Houstonian.com. Meal is part of that, and it's a nice meal. This is not a box lunch or anything like that. There, Steve does it big. There's four courses to this meal. He's usually got carving stations, a whole nine yards. So um, so join us out there. we got a nice list of people, but there still is some space available. Houstonian.com. Yeah, John, August the 24th. So that'll mean that the Texans – it's a Thursday. That, that means they'll have just finished up, I think – their last or second to last practice against the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, getting ready for the final preseason game. So you and I have now had a chance to watch, as of this recording, five Texans training camp practices, including one in pads earlier this morning that you and I were both at. How are we feeling? I guess the big thing right now is the battle at the quarterback position um, for the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud and Davis Mills have been taking the snaps with the one. So five practices in, John, do we feel like you and I on that August 24th Houstonian live podcast are going to be talking about C.J. Stroud, the starting quarterback, or Davis Mills, the starting quarterback? Well, we're going to be talking about C.J. Stroud, the starting quarterback, because if it's Davis Mills, something's wrong. Um, They want Stroud to separate himself. They don't want to gift wrap him a job. Same as Will Anderson Jr. He's not first team. We know he's going to be starting. I have a column on sportsradio610.com about C.J. Stroud and everything, why they're doing what they're doing, and he certainly understands it. He said, I want to earn everything. I don't want anything given to me. And he has a good relationship with Mills and Keenum. He said, they've been a big help, even though they're competing. 
So we know he's going to win the job. It's just a matter of when D'Amico Ryans wants to anoint him as a star. Yeah, well, I mean, and neither of the guys have really separated themselves. If anything, Stroud took a step back today. He threw two interceptions today, one on his very first pass of team drills. He threw an interception to, to Blake Cashman, who's turned into Brian Urlacher all of a sudden out of training camp. And, and, and we'll get into some of the guys who stock up and stock down in just a little bit. And then he threw a pick six to Derek Stingley Jr., who looks really good in camp as well, we should mention. Um, so I, where what's your – I know what D'Amico's assessment is, John, of, of CJ, the the overall picture. You know, anytime you ask D'Amico about CJ Stroud, it's not just about the things we see at practice. That feels like for him, it's just the tip of the iceberg at this stage. That a lot of the things they see in CJ that they really love is is just what a junkie he is for football, how 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 um studious he is with with preparing asking questions, both of his coaches and on coaches on the defensive side, players on the defensive side of the ball. But you, John, your own opinion, just five practices in, what's your take on where C.J. Stroud is right now? I think he's right where he should be, and uh, they'd love for him to come out and light it up and hit every every pass, which he's not going to do, I guarantee you. Bryce Young's not doing that either. I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, been concerned about what I saw from the quarterback or any position early in training camp. Now, if they're making the same mistakes – Late in training camp as they get in to the close of preseason and getting ready for the start of regular season, then it's an issue. Yeah. So um I, I'm with you. Like I, you know, Stroud has had some he's had some nice moments. Typically those will be captured on text and social media and pushed out to everybody on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to see CJ Stroud's good moments, just follow the Texans on any of their social media accounts. They're putting those out there. But he's had some some rough moments too. Not a lot of favors have been done for him. Uh, in terms of offensive line play in front of him, there are, there have been a lot of plays, John, particularly in the four practices where they were in shells. That if these were real games, and I get it, it's different. No pads, the offensive linemen, they're limited in what they can do. Um, but it looks like I don't, and we'll get into some individuals here in a second, John. But would you agree, defense is ahead of the offense at this point out of training camp? Well, couldn't considering they couldn't hit for the first four practices. Yes, the defense should be, but. Uh, there's a lot to do. They can't be physical. They can't bang on each other until they put on the pads. And even then, they don't take people to the ground. That'll be when we get to see them in uh, joint practices against Miami and New Orleans. But usually you see a defense coming out making big plays because there's more for the offense to learn, especially with new coordinator and a new play caller and Bobby Slowak, who is Slowak is doing a totally different offense than what these players are used to yeah they're five practices into installing a new offense and a new defense and I got to imagine that the offense is just harder to install especially when you're doing it with a rookie quarterback in there as far as things that we've seen out at training camp so far particularly today John with the pads on if we were doing stock up and stock down like you and I do during the regular season from time to time give me a give, give me the player when I say stock up what player immediately jumps into your head out of Texans training camp Will Anderson Jr. favored to be NFL defensive rookie of the year. I asked him how much he weighs, and we'll start asking everybody. He's 17 pounds heavier than he's listed. They still give us weights from college for some reason. I don't know why. So he said he's 260. And and some of that had to do with playing defensive end. It's all muscle. He said he feels great. We see he looks great. He's so explosive. He's very strong at the point of attack 
because he, he's got powerful hands. He's got moves. D'Amico Ryan's used the word relentless. You know, he's mad when he has to give up a rep to somebody else. He just – it shouldn't take him long if he's not already the Texans' best defensive player. Yeah, he uh, he looks every bit. Five practices in, John, and again, you know, four of them with no pads, so take that for what it's worth. But I, I would say two things. One, you mentioned it, favorite for defensive rookie of the year. He's done nothing t- t- so far that I've seen at any point in his time as a Texan, the last week or the spring season, to where um, he should be moved off of that uh, tier that he's on in those odds. Um, I think the second thing I would say is that you can just, to me – you can just see all the reasons the Texans liked him so much, you know, both on the field, at the microphone, amongst his teammates, the way he interacts with everybody. You can just you can see why they gave up so much draft capital to go get the guy. He's he, he's got a very, very magnetic personality and he's got a game that is very violent. And I mean that in a good way. Christian Harris, their second year linebacker, said when he showed up in Tuscaloosa at the first practice, he was dominant right then. He said we could see he was a dog then, and he's a dog now. Yep, I like these Alabama guys, John. I hope they just keep just keep drafting Alabama guys <laughs> between Christian Harris, Toa Toa, Mechie, and Mechie. You know, John, as long as we're stock up, I'll throw John Mechie out there for you. Um, Mechie is he's he's done some nice things. I, I think you know early on here the fact that he's out there. And looks like the furthest thing from somebody who was suffering from cancer this time last year. I, would you say Mechie so far has been? I don't want to say a surprise, but he's been a he's been just a you know a pleasant guy to 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 watch do his thing out there at camp so far. Yeah, he had stood out like a lot of other players had. He was unfair to expect him to because he also was recovering from a torn ACL. Yeah. It's almost like that didn't even exist, and we know how hard that is by itself. And well, he missed Johnny missed. Sorry, John. He missed spring too because he had a hamstring in the spring. So he's, you know, he's. You're right. He's behind right now. He's. He's. They've got him catching some punts, and uh, but we know it's only a matter of time before he provides big plays. Right now, the only receiver they have who's capable of scoring anytime he touches a ball is a rookie Tank Dell, which says a lot about him, but also says a lot about everybody else. They don't have any home run hitters, and that's not going to be great for uh, Stroud's development, but you know he's going to feel comfortable with matching when he's when he's on the field because they know each other. They were teammates. You know, it's funny because they always talk about Georgia players at Philadelphia. It's only a matter of time before Toa Tua starting with Christian Harris, and they'll both be behind Will Anderson, Jr. Do, do the Eagles have three Georgia starters in their front seven? They might. I don't think they have more. They might have a guy in the secondary, but that's what it's coming down to. Eagles and Crimson Tide. Yeah. Uh, I, you mentioned Tank Dell, John. I would have him as a stock up right now. He's the one guy. He's getting open more than any of the other receivers right now, the rookie out of Houston. He's 5'8", 165. They list him 5'10". He hasn't grown two inches since the combine. And I was watching – I'm doing a column on him this late week, and I was watching him catch punts. They have four guys back there catching punts. I'm going to guess cornerback Desmond King, who did last year, will be the guy. But once Dale proves to them that he can catch the ball on punts at anywhere they kick it, it's only matter of time he's on the field because that first step is so quick. And he can play inside or outside as receiver. And I keep comparing him to a gnat or hummingbird, 
just because they quickness. And his practice on Sunday was outstanding. Then he had another good one on Monday. He, he We can't say he's a surprise because we saw him at the University of Houston, set all kind of records, and uh, and he's so confident. You know, he has no reservations at all. He knows he's going to play at some point. He's going to be a big play receiver for C.J. Stroud. Who doesn't like Tank Dale? Aside from Will Anderson, John, you got any stock ups on the defensive side of the ball for this team right now? I think Derek Stingley's done really well. Derek yeah. Stingley had an interception on Monday, returning for a touchdown. He's he's uh, talked about getting up on receivers more than he did. He was misused last year. I asked him if he paid attention to all the pub that Sauce Gardner was getting last year, and he said good for him. He's a great player, but you know deep down, Oh. He he wants some of that. He was taking one one spot ahead of him, only third corner in history, be taken as high as number three, and he missed what eight games of the injury, yeah, and hamstring injury. So he looks good. He said he hits hit the weights all over the off season. Says he weighs the same, but man, he looks physical, and he looks like uh, he can cover. He can be a lockdown receiver, what you should be if you're the third overall pick. Yep. Uh, how about Blake Cashman, John? Three interceptions the last two days from that middle linebacker position. Uh, Cashman, who was with the team for the first time last year, made it, got a lot of playing time. He's looked really good. It seems like that he has really adjusted to D'Amico Ryan's defense. And uh, those guys like to drop into coverage. You know, yeah. They want to get their pass rush with the front four and drop. And Cashman showed last year in Lovey Smith's system that he can drop and cover he's he might be their most underrated player hmm. and there's nothing underrated about him the last two practices based on what he's done on the field john if we were doing stock down you got any stock downs right now for this team well it's so early i can't you know sheldon rankins defensive tackle he finally came in and practiced he was on non-football injury then he didn't report to the off-season program other than the mandatory minicamp. Coaches couldn't like that. They're first-time coaches, first-time coordinator, first-time coaches here. And they're counting on him a lot to start next to Malik Willis and help improve the NFL's worst running game. Yeah. Now, he may go be first-team All-Pro. He may go to the Hall of Fame. But right now, he's got to be behind because he's missed so much time. So, to me, he's got a lot of making up to do because of the time he's missed. I would say two things. One, I would say the offensive line just has not has underwhelmed, I think, in some of these drills compared to the defense. Um, you know, again, they've had one practice where they're actually allowed to hit guys. So it's take it with a grain of salt. This is just factual. Health at the tight end position is kind of an issue early on here in camp. Uh, Dalton Schultz took a, a pop from Jimmy Ward on Sunday at practice. Uh, with no pads on, that he was down for quite a while. He ultimately got back up. It looks like he's going to be okay. Brevin Jordan missed the practice today. I'd go stock down on Brevin Jordan. I don't know that he makes the team this time around because they brought in Tomlinson as a free agent. We know Tegan Catoriano is a kid that they like. He's on the pup list right now. John, that's three tight ends right now in that rotation. Probably, I would argue, two of them were your top tight ends coming into the coming into the preseason here in Schultz and Catoriano. So I would just say stock down the health of the tight end position right now. You know, anything that anything when you got a rookie quarterback in a complicated system and you're trying to acclimate him, anything where you've got just a cluster of injuries at one spot, especially the spot that is like a security blanket for a young quarterback, 
those are incremental little things that hinder development. Those are good points, and hopefully they're getting it out of their system. They said Schultz is okay. Still don't know what the deal is with Quatoriano, other than they're counting on him a lot. But you knew when they brought in Tomlinson again, uh, they had him, I think, last year, that there's a reason for that because they already had Schultz, Quatoriano, and Jordan. So if they if everything was hunky-dory with those three, Tomlinson wouldn't be back here. They got Mason Stranke was here last year as well. So they they need that for a reason. Just another thing, offensive tackle, Charlie Heck is the third tackle. Mm-hmm. He's been the third tackle. This will be for three years. He's got a knee injury. He can't work out. They signed George Fan. So I'm curious, second-year guys, Austin Deculus, there's a rookie out there. Is it Zillions, Allian? Zaire, uh, something like that. Zaire, yeah. Zaire, 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 Zaire. He's a backup left tackle by Laramie Tunson. Yeah. It was Michael Dieter of working over there in uh, training camp. Those inside guys got to be able to play two positions. They got Juice Scruggs, rookie guard and center. They got Jared Patterson, rookie guard and center. Dieter, tackle guard, because they're going to be active on game day. They got to be able to play more than one position, but uh, you're right. They got a lot of improving to do. And uh, if they don't get Charlie Heck back by the start of the season healthy, then there's going to be a big competition for the third tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie's in a contract year too. You know, he's, he's been a solid backup for this team. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, John, we'll get to some more Texans in for real or Fugazi in a bit, but let's spend at least a couple minutes here. Um, as you and I record this, we're a little over 24 hours from the trade deadline. Um, the, I, I guess the big news for our audience, the Astros did address partially, I think, the bullpen, bringing Kendall Graveman back. Traded Corey Lee. Well, that's a pretty big chip to give up for um, for Kendall Graveman, but I think the message there is that Yiner Diaz is your catcher of the future. Corey Lee, there was no place for him here. Um, so you use him to go get Graveman, who's under team control this year and next year. So I think this is a this feels like a move, John, the Graveman move. We'll get into Scherzer and Verlander here in a second. This Graveman move feels like a move that's as much about 2024 as it is about 2023 right now. He left after his uh, cup of coffee here the last time, and uh, he pitched pretty well. But in, in May, I mean, July, he's been terrible. His ERA is 5.19. Last five appearances with the White Sox, he pitched five innings, gave up five runs, eight hits. That's not good. But you hope he got he'll be better here because they need arms in the bullpen. What was very disheartening is Dana Brown, general manager, saying they're not in the market for another starter. You know, the Rangers have acquired two, and the Astros have acquired zero. And I don't care if Jose Urquidy's got three World Series wins to Max Scherzer's one. Anybody tries to compare those two, that might have been you. <laughs> it's not so. John, you know I was being tongue-in-cheek with that comparison. Of course. Yeah. You know, um, thing, I, what do you think about that? Just saying we don't need another starting pitcher. Well, they need they need another starting pitcher. I Obviously, they need another starting pitcher. I just think it comes down to resources. It comes down to the market, supply and demand. I think that the Astros are this, – this trade deadline, their ability to find another starter – is impacted greatly by two things. One, 
teams that are on the fringe of the wild card, this expanded playoff draws more teams in that think they've got a shot at things. You know, all of a sudden the angels are, are buyers all of a sudden uh, the Padres sweep the Rangers this weekend, which we love. We love that they swept the Rangers. The flip side of that Padres think they've got a chance. Now they're only five games out of the wild card. They have a super talented team. Their run differential is one that is that of a good team, not a 500 team. So you, the feeling in there is that, Hey, eventually we got so much talent. This is going to come around. I think the pod. I think Blake Snell would have been a great target for the Astros as a rental this year. And now the Padres are probably not moving him because they think they're in the race. Do the Cubs think they're in the race now because they've won a bunch of games lately? So Bellinger's not going anywhere. Stroman's not going anywhere probably. So I think the combination of of the number of teams that are true sellers. And the fact that the Astros, they're at the poker table and everybody at the table has stacks of chips this high and their stack is is a third as high as everybody else's. It's hard to play poker at a table, John, when you got the shortest stack. And this is where the punishment from the sign-stealing scandal comes back to roost. That was my thought. The day they got punished, I said, they won't feel the effect of this in 2020. They'll feel the effect of this two or three years down the road when it's time to make the next Verlander trade Literally, I didn't think it would be an actual Verlander trade we're talking about. I was referring to the one in 2017, a coal trade, a Granky trade, where they emptied their farm system to go get those guys because they had depth in their farm system. They've got no depth in the farm system. They've got one prospect in the top 100, and Dana Brown doesn't want to trade him, Drew Gilbert. So, like, I, Dana Brown's not stupid. He knows they need starting pitching. He can read the box score just like you and I can. I just think it's it's, you know, it's – it's tough. Like the one thing they have going for them with Verlander, and they've only got 24 hours to accomplish this, is that ultimately with Verlander, you got to hope that he uses his no trade clause to muscle the Mets around and that Jim Crane is willing to shell out money that to this point he's he's shelled out money, but like to this point, taking on a third year, that vesting option in the third year, something he didn't want to do when he was in the market for Verlander several months ago. He's going to have to do things financially that he didn't want to do earlier this year when it came time to sign Justin Verlander. So that's that's why I feel like Verlander is the most doable one, and because it really doesn't matter the type of prospects they have if they're willing to if they're willing to swallow hard and take on that that salary, then the Mets might be willing to play ball with them. But um, I I'm I'm less and less optimistic that they get a starting pitcher by tomorrow. That option for Verland to earn, he's got to pitch 140 innings. So if he pitches 140 innings in 2024, it means he's doing pretty well. Theoretically, so I, yeah. Yeah, theoretically. And uh, a, a guy, all they, Astros' lower minor leagues are loaded with young prospects that play outfield. They don't have pitchers. I'd like to see him give Spencer Gergetti, their top pitcher who's at AAA, give him a start or two, see if he could do what Hunter Brown did last year when Brown came up and was tremendous. If you're not going to go after another starter, what's scary is Fromber's ERA. Fromber Valdez's ERA is nine since the All-Star break. Christian Javier's is over six since before the All-Star break. Hunter Brown finally had a good start. You know, they just think they're going to wave some magic wand and these guys are going to all of a sudden turn into studs again, maybe. They will. What I'm scared, I had a dream the other night that Fromber said he would sign an extension, three-year extension. And uh, but he insisted Maldi be back as the catcher and catching him every game. And I in my dream, I said, see ya, because I'm ready for Yiner Diaz. No more of Martin Maldonado. This stuff about 
what he does with the pitching staff. He may have in the past. He may have done it a lot this year, but right now he's not. And we're acting like Jose Arquiti is Superman when he couldn't even get, get an appearance in the World Series and playoffs because he was so down the rotation. Verlander's pitched very well. Max Scherzer has not. There's a chance Scherzer may not make them very good because he bombed out last year's playoffs. He could certainly bomb out again in the playoffs. He's not been good this year so far. He's got an ERA over four right now. He's not an ace right now, Max Scherzer. I mean, you know, t- talent wise, he you know, healthy talent wise, he is. But he's he's you know, like he he he's not pitched that way this year. John, I had a dream the other night. I went 109 in a 50 and got pulled over, and it was a really realistic dream. It was one of those dreams I was super relieved when I woke up. Like so much so because that ticket's got to be what well, for 109 in a 50. That's like reckless driving and. That's that's like beyond just speeding. So the ticket was probably going to be like five or six hundred bucks. So I woke up like I think it was Saturday morning. I woke up. I'm like, I feel like I can go spend five or six hundred bucks on something that I really want because deep down I was getting ready to spend that money on a on a reckless driving ticket in my dream. Were you a University of Georgia football player? I was not. It wasn't drag racing. You were. Huh? You'd have gotten out of it. I didn't. Even, <laughs> I'm far from that. <laughs> I didn't even. I, it was, it was one of those things. I didn't even realize I was driving that fast in my dream. I don't know what that all means, but, um, but uh, maybe DeAndre Hopkins was chasing you. Maybe. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah. He, he had a, he's not a speed guy, John. I'm not too worried. I think I could like, if I got to, if I got to battle him, if I got to body him up on a catch, him, I, that's when I get worried. Like if I got to, you know, if he's chasing me, you know, he's like a four, seven forty guy, John, I, I would be okay for like 20 yards. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to John. You want to do a little for real or fugazis? Sure. All right, let's do it here. We got a few of them in front of me. The way this all works, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I've got a handful of sentences in front of me that I concocted before the show. I read them as if they are factual. If John agrees that they are indeed fact, he says for real. If he thinks that uh, they are fiction of the worst kind, he looks at me straight in the eye on this stream yard and says... Fugazi. Fugazi. That is Italian for fake or counterfeit. All right. Here we go, John. For real or Fugazi, Kenyon Green is the biggest concern on the Texans' offensive line. Well, that's for real, not because he's not better than Scott Quisenberry, but it's just you, you spend the 15th pick on a guy who still looks heavy, and maybe it's because he had his knee injury and he couldn't work the way he wanted to. He's working with a first team. And uh, but yes, for a guy who flashed last year, who was a great run blocker in college, he is definitely the biggest concern in their offensive line. Yeah, medical as much as anything for me, I would agree with that. I was I was glad to see D'Amico Ryan single out Juice Scruggs at his press conference today. They used Juice on a some sort of run fit or something, you know, some sort of run block scheme play. He used it as an example for the rest of the team. I'm like, okay, good. I feel. A little better, even though he's not starting yet, Juice Scruggs. It's still Scott, Scott uh, Quesenberry starting at center. Um, all right, next one, John. For real or Fugazi, the secondary is the best unit on the 2023 Houston Texans. Mm, I'll say Fugazi. It's hard to beat the running backs with Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary with the first two. Secondary is really good. But you have an unhappy Steven Nelson. You have Jimmy Ward to turn, what, 32. So you don't know for sure. But we know in Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, based on what they've done, Pierce, of course, in three quarters of the season. But Singletary for three and a half season, 
that should be a pretty formidable duo. I thought you were going to say Fugazi, and you would give me the specialists as the answer. Kaimi Fairbairn, Cam Johnson, and? John Weeks, the greatest snapper in NFL history. Second bear. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to give me. I'm I'm excited about these running backs also, uh, though, John. Uh, Pearson Singletary, specifically. Um, that's going to be a nice, nice duo, I think. Who do you think is going to be the third back? Um, based he's got to play special. He's got to play special. He's got to play special teams. So, I, you know, right. It looks like Dario Gumbawale is the one who's got the inside track on it right now, just based on he's when a guys really are really good special team getting reps. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of those guys. I mean, who, cause who, who are we looking at here? We're looking at Dare, Mike Boone Mike is a body. Boone. Yeah. I, I have Dare ahead of Mike Boone. They've got a couple of these rookies at Dokes at Val- Valaday. Valaday from Arizona Practice State. Squad. Yeah. Yeah. They, but, uh, but those guys are interesting. This I'll say this, John, with no Rex Burkhead in camp, these guys all look like running backs. At least you know, like, it's not hey, a racial commentary. Available. It's not He's available. It, well, I'm sure they've got him on speed dial just in case. But uh, I think it's probably Dare right now is what it feels like. All right, next one, John, for real or Fugazi. If you had to win the Ravens game tomorrow, tomorrow they play the Ravens. Case Keenum gives the Texans the best chance to win that game. For real or Fugazi? I would say for real, but we're a long way from seeing what C.J. Stroud can do. Right now, you said right now, I would right take now. Davis Mills. But at the end of preseason. Mills or, Mills or Keenum? I said Keenum. Case Keenum gives you the best chance to win that game. Yeah, I'd say Mills. And then uh, it's Fugazi, John. You asked me, who'd you ask? You asked I said Keenum. I said if you have, to, you have to win the game tomorrow, Case Keenum gives the Texans no, the best I, chance I to win. I said Fugazi. I think it'd be Mills. Okay, you think it'd be Mills? All right, how about a follow-up, John? If you had to bet today, for real or Fugazi, if you had to bet today, the pick is Texans plus nine and a half against the Ravens. Uh, for real? I t- uh, no. Fugazi, I'd take the Ravens. The Ravens have beaten a you-know-what out of them. Yep. Whenever Lamar Jackson has played him. Yep. I'm I'm with you on that. I need to I need to have a better grasp on what this offense is going to look like before I can before I can take the Texans in Baltimore um in week one. All right, next one, John. Let's hit a couple topics going on around the league. Uh Jonathan Taylor has played his last game as an Indianapolis Colt. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. No matter how much Texans fans are hoping that's true. The fact is. Who's going to pay him what they want? They get the same problems. Problem is when a guy holds in, he's got to have an injury. Well, if you're going to trade him, the team goes, whoa, whoa, he's got a back injury. They are a textbook example of how you don't handle an unhappy running back. And next year, Damian Pierce will be going into third last year, no, third year of his contract, which means they could extend him after two, after three. Uh, But uh, you hope they don't run into that, but I think every team that has a good back is going to have issues as long as the CBA is the way it is. And I guess you'd like for the Texans to have that problem because that means Damian Pierce is going to be a hell of a running back. Yeah, uh, for some reason, John, look, I know Cal McNair has not been perfect as the owner of the team. I somehow have a hard time believing that he's going to jump on Twitter and start giving hot takes on the running back supply and demand and how disrespectful it is that these running backs – think they should get paid more whatever it was that Ursay went on Twitter and said and um and and 
uh, lit the flames of Jonathan Taylor's trade request. They, if they I, both I'm, die tomorrow, and that tells them to be exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, that, that was the follow-up to it. But, man, Ursay's had a hell of a week, John. He sure has. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. All right. Two, both beat writers have, have sources of stories saying that he told them he had a bad back. And he said, you better get better sources. I never told them that. We wonder where they're getting their, where they're, who their source is. Yeah. Yeah, it would seem if there's their source is obviously somebody inside the building with the Colts, maybe or say that's proof positive that they're definitely not trading because you don't. But to your point, you don't put out info that this person you're going to trade is suffering from a damaged back of all things. That ain't a hangnail. <laughs> all right. Uh, next one, John, for real or Fugazi. Sean Payton, he was just speaking the truth about Nathaniel Hackett. Don't hate on him. Well, first of all, Fugazi, he was speaking the truth, but hate on him. I've never seen anything like that, Sean. And then there's all these media people claiming he's a genius and he did it for a reason. What's the point? If you want to praise Russell Wilson, just praise the heck out of him. He trashed the guy and Aaron Rodgers trashed him. I can't wait for that fifth game of the season in which Denver goes to MetLife Stadium. Week five. John, I'll admit, ooh, in some of this, ooh. what, what? No, I just said, ooh. Oh, that's, that's that's so hot it can't be touched. I know it's nice. I'll admit, John. Sometimes in for real or fugazi, I put one in here that I know a hundred percent is a fugazi, just to make sure that we've got a fugazi in there for you. I don't need them all to be for. That was my guaranteed fugazi right there. I'm glad you reacted the way that you did. All right, two more, John, and then we'll get out of here. Um, with their trades for Scherzer and Montgomery, the Rangers are now the favorites to win not just the AL West but the AL period for real or fugazi. Fugazi, they're the Rangers to win the AL West, although they've been stinking it up. And Who's the favorite, John? Who's the favorite? Take, uh, in the AL? Yeah. American League, yeah. My, uh, my underdog team is Baltimore. I think uh, that Mike Elias, who went there from working under Jeff Luno, is building the Orioles the same way the Astros were built. And his minor league system's loaded. He acts like he's not going to trade for a starter that he needs. The deadline is four central tomorrow. I bet they get a starter. Are you, I'm going with the O's. The O's. Okay, gotcha. I'll be interested to see when the latest odds come out on who the favorite is in the AL. If I had to guess, I would bet the Rangers might be the betting favorite now. But I get what you're saying about the Orioles. They're a really, they're a really good baseball team. Are you glad that the Angels took Shohei off the market and are keeping him, John? Or would you have rather seen where the dice may have landed to move Shohei somewhere? I, uh, if they sent him out of the American League West, which they assuredly would have done, and to the told the National League, I'd have been all for it because it would help the Astros. But still, getting to watch him pitch and hit when he's playing against the Astros, I've never seen anything like him. The division is more competitive with him staying with the Angels. So I'm glad that they kept him, and nobody can rip. Artie Moreno, the owner, for letting him get away for a trap no. choice. They're buying. I mean, I don't know if what they're doing in, in L.A. is going to end up making any sense in the end. They're trading they're trading good prospects out of their farm system for guys to make a run at trying to sneak into the playoffs. Um, but I, I'm all for teams trying to go win. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's so much talk of load management and tanking and things like that. To have an owner that says, you know what, screw this. I got the best player on the planet. We've got some prospects. We're in striking distance. I, I respect that. I don't know that it's ultimately I, 
it, chances are it comes back and bites them. You know, they're the opportunity because they're not, if I guess they might not even make the playoffs, let alone win the World Series. So you coughed up a chance to get probably five or six prospects for Shohei, whatever that number was. And you gave up a bunch of prospects to go get Lucas Giolito and Lopez and some other guys. Kron, I think they traded for um, the first baseman. But yeah, man, I like the mentality. I'm with you on that. I like to see Artie Moreno have some luck. He gave Trout a $400 million contract. Trout started every year. Yeah. He gives Anthony Rendon, I think it's $236 million. Yeah, He's been hurt every year he's been there. Yep. They've had terrible luck with all that money he spent. So uh, I would like to see – I'd like to see them win a series as long as it wasn't against the Astros. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, John, I need a caveat because there's so many people out there construing your Wembyama takes as your pro San Antonio, and you've, 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 you've had other takes of late that people have – with your Tennessee uh, – Titan Oiler uniform takes. I didn't need you to go full on heel. Now all of a sudden you're an Angels fan out of nowhere. I'm glad you caveated it with that. As long as their interests don't conflict with the Astros' interests, right? Absolutely. As okay. long as they don't. As long as they don't beat the Astros. Right. Right. Okay. Good. But I'd like to see them beat somebody else. I'd like to see them. What Trout's been in the playoffs one time. They haven't won a game. They didn't win a game. They got swept. Yeah. Three zero. All right. Last one, John. For real or Fugazi, three hours is too long for any movie, even Oppenheimer. Fugazi. If it's a good movie, oh. what does it matter? It's like a great sex scene. You'd probably go, oh, <laughs> this is too long. Okay. I'm going to go get some popcorn. I've lived this. I don't need to see this anymore. <laughs> hey, what, is, what did you think? You've seen Oppenheimer, right, John? Yeah. What did you think? There's the, 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 uh, the young lady who did the nude scenes in Oppenheimer. Lawrence Pugh. Not impressive. I've seen her before. She oh. likes to take her clothes off. She's a good actress, but she doesn't need to strip. You know, Killian Murphy said their sex scene was powerful. His version of powerful and mine's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard there was like a Amy's like, we're walking into the theater. She's like, Are you ready? Like, there's a 15 minute sex scene in this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, awesome. Like, yeah, I'm I'm always ready for a 15 minute sex scene. It's 10 yeah, minutes longer than I can go. Yeah, let's do this. I used to think that uh, sex scenes and movies were great. Then we got the internet. Then the internet came along and just obsoleted everything. I know. I know. Phoebe Kate stepping out of the pool. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I, John, I give Oppenheimer a solid 7 out of 10. I, I was People set the expectations too high on it for me. Yeah, it's going to clean up on all the Academy Awards. Which is I'm yet gonna, another reason why, yeah, I I'm, I tend to, my tastes tend to not align with the Academy's tastes. You know, I'm more of a body movie kind of guy. Well, um, they're going to win. He's going to win. Killian Murphy will win actor. Robert Downey Jr., supporting actor. He was good. Line, supporting actress. I think the underrated guy in that movie uh, is the sound guy. Because oh. people think, well, there's just one explosion. No, no, remember there were explosions from the get-go because it was in his mind. Yeah, that he was thinking about explosions. So I thought the I didn't go to the IMAX. I may go see the IMAX, uh, just but I think the sound is the build-up was really good. Yeah, and, there were, and uh, uh, my mind's going to blank the director. Um, he wrote it, and besides, he's the only screenwriter getting credit. And Nolan. For no yeah, yeah. No, he'll he'll probably Nolan. get the director and could get screenwriter, but all that technical stuff, yeah, about physics and fusion and all that. My goodness, he had to have had help, and they're just not getting credit. 
thought Damon was good in it too. Matt Damon. He was Matt Damon was good. I still think he was better in air. Yep. He could be nominated for actor in in air and supporting actor in uh Oppenheimer. Yep. That's happened. That's happened a few times where guys have been nominated and women in two categories. Yep. Yep, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting for sure. All right, so there you go, a little for real or fugazi, John. You and I got a few more practices this week. We'll do a mailbag on Wednesday this week. Hou mailbag at gmail.com. This is the time to start sending in the questions because John and I can answer some of the things that we're seeing out of camp. The next fan practice won't be till Friday and Saturday of this week, so we can answer some questions for you in the mailbag on Wednesday. Um, John, you want to give the people the info one more time for our uh, live podcast at the Houstonian in a few weeks. August 24th, go to Houstonian.com, go down where it says events, click on it. And uh, then, in fact, I'll tweet it out today. If you tweet it out yep. today, people can see you get it. You get a four-course meal. You get booze. You get a lot of football. We get some baseball. We're going to have an opinion about the Astros. It's what we talk about on the Utopia Football Podcast. It's going to be the same thing, and we hope people will spread the word about the podcast, as well as our dinner at the Houstonian. We can't wait. Houstonian.com. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and the food is going to be great. The booze are going to be great, and the company and the fellowship is going to be outstanding as well. So we hope to see you out there. We remind you as well, click that download button or the subscribe button, I should say. Get the automatic downloads of the podcast. John and I, we've had eyes on every snap out of Texans training camp so far. Um, so, uh, be sure to click that subscribe button, give us a review as well. That always helps wherever it is. You get your podcast. We appreciate it. The Odyssey app, uh, iTunes, wherever we appreciate you tuning in as, uh, we're embarking. I, you know, John, my other big takeaway, just real quick, there was a big buzz out of training camp. Those first two fan practices. We haven't even mentioned that that place was standing room only on the heels of two years where you couldn't give tickets away to people. That place was stacked and packed for those first two fan practices. The energy was contagious. People are not being unrealistic. They're not looking at a playoff team. They just so fired up about D'Amico Ryans, wanting to come back to Houston after two coaches in a row were fired in two years. And then to have CJ Stroud, Will Anderson Jr. second, third overall pick, they're just excited to see some improvement. Yep, no doubt. All right, John, I enjoyed it as always. I did too, Sean. Thank you. And I will talk to you in a couple of days. That sounds good. I'll see, well, I'll see you out of practice tomorrow, but we'll talk on here in a couple of days for sure. Um, so yeah, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Send us your questions. We will answer them. Uh, big thanks to James Jackson. Our producer does a great job getting the podcast out to you, getting those video clips to us so we can spoon feed those to you as well. So for James and John, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Wednesday. Uh, we record Wednesday. We'll see you later this week for the next edition, the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.